If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Real Life Runners Podcast. We are your hosts, Angie and Kevin Brown, and today we're going to be talking about running safety and um, tell you why it's something that's become really important to us lately. Yeah, there's a there's a couple reasons this one hits near and dear to us, and and one is you know has to do with Angie and and her running more in the morning, which I used to run a lot in the morning, and it just never really seemed like a huge concern to me. But when she headed out, I, I started realizing all of the safety precautions that you really need to take care of. Yeah, I stayed away from running in the morning, um, early morning, like when it was still dark out. Um, I stayed away from that for a while because it just made me nervous, especially when you hear about these reports of, you know, especially women being attacked or, um, you know, other bad things happening. It just made me very nervous to go out by myself in the dark and run. So that's definitely something that kind of held me back from getting up and running, you know, at 5 a.m. before until recently. And then there's there's other issues of you know running with with a medical condition and and we'll get into more of that and and why it is so important to us as as the episode continues here. So like we said, um, you know it's really important for us to talk about running safety today because you just keep hearing these reports about runners being attacked um, and other things happening like you you know when you're out running in the dark it's very important that you stay visible because not everybody is paying attention nowadays when they're driving unfortunately and um you know we all we all see it you know people are on their phones while they're driving and they're just not necessarily paying attention to you especially as a runner so um there's there's dangers out there on the road that we definitely need to be aware of i mean i remember going all the way back to when i was running in high school and i used to run in like a big group of 10 to 15 guys and you'd go to cross the street and the car just wouldn't see you they're looking the wrong direction and uh, people got hit or almost hit by a car most seasons that i was running in high school right and that's you know kind of how I've solved my running in the dark problem to an extent um, is I started running with other people and that made me feel a lot more comfortable because I knew I wasn't just going to be out there by myself and you know running with a group just made me feel a lot more secure. Yeah, the more eyes looking around and aware of your surroundings, that's that's super helpful. Yeah. I mean, because that's one of the major things of being safe when you run, it, you know, whenever you run, early morning, late at night, or just smack in the middle of the afternoon, being aware of your surroundings is super helpful. So having a few other people also being aware of the surroundings is a great way to, to up the safety on your run. Definitely. So some of our tips for you to stay safe while you're running in the dark is number one, if you have a running buddy, run with a buddy, you know, run with a group, run with another person. I know that's something that has definitely helped me to get out there in the dark and feel much safer and much more comfortable. 
All right. My, my first big one here is run with as much reflective clothing as you can. Yeah. You know, you got a hat, you can put, I, I rock the uh, fluorescent yellow with the silver stripes on it, reflective vest. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Or the little blinking light on your hip or arm, or there's all sorts of reflective clothing out there. And when you're standing in your house wearing it all, you look ridiculous. But when you're (laughs) going down the street and a car isn't hitting you, you look perfect. Yeah. And, you know, along those lines, there's lots of lights you can get now. Um, You know, they have those LED running vests that you can get now um, or, you know, running with a flashlight in hand, like a very lightweight, small flashlight so that you can shine um, the light on the path in front of you. A lot of times I end up just using my phone because I have my phone with me anyway and there's a flashlight function on my phone. So I just use that to kind of, you know, shine the the light on the path to make sure that you don't trip over any branches or um, crops cracks in the sidewalk, things like that, you know, that that's helps to really keep you a lot safer while you're running. Yeah. Or the, uh, you can go all out and get one of the headlamps. Yes. You know, I mean, I've got, <laughs> I, I got a friend who runs ultras and I mean, when you're running for a hundred miles, you're running in the middle of the day and the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So they've got all of the gear. And so it's, it's literally a headlamp. So you don't have to use your hands. Your hands are still free, but the path in front of you is still lit. Cars can still see you. Um, I, one thing that, that I know, especially for the uh, the little light going on my hip right now, make sure that it stays bright. As mm-hmm. that battery starts dying, you might think that you're bright. Check with somebody. Hey, yeah. can, can you actually see this light blinking on it or is it not so safe anymore? You know, it, it's funny because when, you know, I used to see you go out with the lights and the reflective clothing and stuff like that. Like, I, I know why it's there. Like, I know it's to help cars see you, but then like me and my paranoiac you know, like the paranoia in my mind, like, I was like, well, what if there is someone out there that wants to like hurt you or abduct you, you know, like that would be, you'd be kind of drawing attention to yourself in a way, you know, that was one of the things that like, I hesitated about the, the more attention you're drawing to yourself, the less likely you're going to draw somebody who doesn't want to, to be seen. You know, like that's the, a good point. No one's, no one's going out and attack. Like if you've got two people running down the street and, and you've got, you know, predator in the bushes, being in the fluorescent clothing, that's not the one they're going after. The person who's also in dark, that, that just happened. It's scary, but put on the fluorescent clothing. That's, Mm -hmm. that's helpful to, in any scenario. Yeah. You make a very good point because, you know, those people out there that are predators, like they don't want to attract attention to themselves. They, you know, they want to, um, do whatever the evil they're going to do and and have as little, you know, attention as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, all right. One other thing that I wanted to cover was, uh, and this just happened to me about a week ago or so, is passing another runner in the dark. You know, I was out for a run and it was an out and back and I passed this woman and, I, you know, she was coming towards me. I was coming towards her. I like to wave from a distance and say hi because, you know, it's dark. And so just random person running towards you is not necessarily the most friendly thing. And so she kind of gave me the runner's wave, but I knew that I was going to hit my turnaround and pass her again on the way back in. Yeah. And I remember you asking me about this, you know, because you said to me, you know, what's the best thing for me to do to let other runners know that I'm going to pass by them without scaring the heck out of them at, you know, 
five o'clock in the morning, five thirty in the morning. Right. So depending on on what's going on with that person, if they've got headphones in, it's tough. I, I like to from a little bit back kind of clear my throat a couple of times. Maybe they'll look over their shoulders and let me know they're coming. Um, I've I've actually called out runner behind you. Um, in this case, she had headphones in, and so the way that that path goes, there's a sidewalk and then a big open grass area about 15 feet wide. I just passed as far to the side of her as possible. That was really so nice. I was, I was trying to make as much space between us as I possibly could. Yeah. And then I threw a little courtesy runner wave, have a good day as, as I went by. Like, I don't need to run right past somebody and make them jump out of their skin because right. it's scary. I've been passed by a bike on a run. And if you can't hear them coming, you jump and mm-hmm. it, then your heart's flying for the next like couple of minutes. Yeah. It's, it's not fun. Well, and I think that it feels, I mean, I, I can't speak for all women, but I think that it's even you know, more concerning as a woman, you know, having someone run by you. Um, I know that it is for me. Um, and so I think that's very appreciated what you did, you know, by making, making, taking a wide route around that lady so that you weren't just kind of running up behind her and, and scaring her. That was, that was very gentlemanly of you. But along those same lines, you know, um, as a woman or as just a, a runner in general, be aware of your surroundings, especially if you're in the dark. You know, a lot of people do like to run with headphones, but it's really not the best idea when it, when you're in dark and, and alone. Um, you really need to be more aware of your surroundings. So if you are going to run with headphones, like if you just have to listen to music or your podcast, you know, run with just one headphone, run with just one and leave one ear open so that you can be more aware of cars or other runners or bikers or other people around you so that you're not as startled, you know, if, if something like that does occur. Yeah. I mean, that's like what I said, if I come up behind somebody and, and I know they don't have the headphones going, usually if I clear my throat or try and do a couple of strides where my foot lands a little bit louder, they'll glance over their shoulder and be like, oh, there's a runner coming. Right. And then you don't scare somebody. I knew she had headphones in both ears and like, that's, that's not going to go well. You know, when I run in the morning, I don't put the headphones in. If it's still dark out, I just carry my phone. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, it, it was annoying for a couple of weeks to hold my phone as I ran in the morning without the headphones in and like the belt and everything to just hold it. But I've, I've completely gotten used to it. I've done speed workouts now holding the phone in my hand. It just, oh, yeah? it doesn't bother me that much. Oh, that's good. Cause I know you definitely were not someone to ever run with anything on you. No, that until was, recently. <laughs> that was not my biggest move. Right. Um, so that kind of, I guess is a nice segue into, um, our second reason that running safety has become a very important issue for us. And And that relates to a day back in April where I received a phone call that no wife ever wants to receive. And um, I was just out working one day and I was actually at a gas station. I'm sure I'll never forget this day for the rest of my life. But my phone rang and um, it was a number I didn't recognize. So I picked it up and uh, the, the person on the other end said, Hey Angie, it's Ed. And um, I'm like, Oh, hi, how are you? And Ed is the principal at Kevin's school. And, um, he's like, Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm here with Kevin. And, um, we have the, the paramedics here and my stomach, my heart just dropped into my stomach. And I said, Oh my God, what's going on? Is he okay? And he said, yes, he's okay. Um, but it appears that he had a seizure. So I was, 
I just started shaking. I didn't know what was going on. I just, you know, calmly started asking questions. And he basically told me that, you know, Kevin was awake and the paramedics were there and they were going to take him to the hospital. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll meet him there. And, um, you know, so obviously I, I canceled my patients for the rest of the day and just drove straight to the hospital and somehow beat the ambulance there. Um, I, I didn't think I was driving that fast. but The, the elevator's slow at my school. It takes a little while to get down there. The I, elevator. <laughs> I remember none of this. I mean, I, we've seen the paramedics now um, and they're, they're great. They're the guys that do our CPR training in the, in the fall. Um, but I, I had no memory of, of any of this. The, the phone call, the paramedics, you know, I, I was in the middle of the day and, and I just sort of dropped to the ground. Is, that's, that's what the students have told me because I really don't remember at all. Yeah. And so when I got to the hospital, I was basically waiting in the ambulance bay for them to arrive because I went to the front desk and the lady told me that they didn't have anybody by that name there. And so um, I saw an ambulance pulled up and I basically ran out there and, and it was him. And, um, you know, so just to see him was such um, a sense of relief. You know, his eyes were open. He didn't look great, of course, but um, he was there and he was alive. I look awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's cover that. I, I look awesome at all points of time. <laughs> you know, anytime you see your husband who had just won a marathon, you know, a month and a half earlier, and now he's strapped to a gurney with, um, you know, oxygen going in through his nose and wires coming out of the arm, you know, with, you know, everything around him. I mean, that it is not the sight that I wanted to see. Um, and no, no wife wants to see that. And so, you know, then I started talking to the paramedics and, and Kevin was still kind of out of it. He knew who I was um, at that point. Um, he didn't really know where he was or what was going on. But um, anyway, so to make a long story short, because um, we don't need to go into too much detail, but um, to make a long story short, um, we then were at the ER. And uh, you want to talk about kind of the rest. I mean, I, I still don't, it took me a while, especially in the few days afterwards where you were saying like, no, 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 you went and got that test. You told me that you were going to go get the test and it'd be fine. And, you know, cause I, I was allowed to go places that Angie couldn't come with me, that the nurses had to wheel me or whatever was going on. And I don't remember a few of them, but eventually I got what an EEG, EKG, MRI. I got all sorts of letters thrown at me. Right. Um, and the, the, end to it is between all of the tests and meeting with the neurologist and things like that, uh, no one has an answer as to what could have caused this. You know, when we met with the neurologist, he said that some people simply have a seizure. They will have one seizure in their life and they'll never have another one. And there's not necessarily a cause to it. So, you know, that, that little fact made me feel good. Not, not so much having one because that was still just a, a frightening incident. Knowing that it could happen just sort of out of nowhere without a cause. I don't like things to happen without a cause. I like there being a reason, you know, knowing that it wasn't some catastrophic thing is a good thing, yeah. but I, I would still like an answer to, to what's going on. Yeah, I definitely 
I'm glad that there was not like a brain tumor or something catastrophic that had caused that seizure. That's definitely a good thing. But now we're, then we were just kind of stuck in limbo, you know, after that happened. I mean, basically the doctor said, you know, you don't need to be on any meds at this point and you just go back to living your, your life. You have to kind of maintain some seizure precautions, like don't go swimming by yourself. Don't go up on a ladder or a roof and things like that for safety reasons. But, um, essentially go back to living life as it is and, you know, kind of forget, not forget, but I mean, in a way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember we had like the list of questions. I had a couple of big questions that I needed to ask. Angie had, um, I think 307 questions that she wanted to ask the neurologist. <laughs> that and, doctor was so patient with us. He, he goes, okay, do you guys have any questions? And I go, uh, yes, I have one. Am I still allowed to go run? And Angie's like, okay, good. I guess we'll start with that one. And <laughs> But that's very important to you. It's very important to me. And, and he gave me clearance. He said that running should not have caused the seizure. Running shouldn't affect having a seizure in the future. Um, and, and so that was positive. I, I didn't think there was going to be a connection because I was on a down cycle of my training. You know, I had, I had run a marathon a month or so before. So my mileage was way down and I was taking extra off days. And if anything, it was the lack of running that was sort of a weird setup to my life. Yeah. I think that your body kind of rebelled against not running in a way. Um, but you know, we were kind of at that point, you know, left without any answers. Um, there was nothing on any of the tests that showed a reason or a cause. So we started doing a lot of research and looking at our lifestyle and, um, trying to figure out something that we could do to try to prevent this from ever happening again. And um, one thing that we really pinpointed was the lack of sleep. You know, you were doing marathon training on five hours of sleep per night. And um, I think that that just had to, that chronic sleep deprivation had to have had an effect on you. Yeah. I mean, to, to train at a, at a pretty high level and go to bed at midnight, wake up at five and get cranking on another 10 to 12 miles is, is a rough combo. And I mean, if you'd asked me in February, whether that was a great thing or not, I, I would have said, well, you know, I crossed the finish line and that, that went well. But if you asked me in April, I'd say, well, maybe, maybe I could have used a few extra hours of sleep, you know, long-term this, the sleep might've been the, the better benefit to that guy. Yeah. It's like, we have to look at what's going on. Like, like clearly your body is trying to tell you something here and we have to figure out what it is um, so that we can try to correct it so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again, you know, because obviously your training went well. You won a full marathon, you know, but when you look at it, like that lack of sleep and pushing yourself to that level on no sleep, um, you know, maybe long-term health-wise wasn't the best thing. Right. Day in and day out, you, you've got to look and see what's going to lead to the most longevity here. You know, if I get up every day at five and I'm going to bed at midnight, that's not a good long-term plan for running success. No. You know, it worked over a few months, but for, for years and years, that that's a terrible option. So, you know, keep that in mind as you, you head out and try and decide what you're going to go for a run that day. Do you need the, the extra couple miles or could you use an extra 30, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes in bed? That might be the, the better choice. Um, one of the other big things is, is stress levels. And, you know, I was clinging to this one early because running is one of my best stress relievers. So it kind of made sense that, um, when I was not running as much that I had higher levels of stress going on. And so that could have helped trigger the, the, the seizure or, you know, 
whatever was was coming we were just trying to grasp onto anything that we could cause so i'm working on trying to lower levels of stress um to make the runs that i have a very good uh stress reliever for me and so that's that's been helpful yeah i think that you know in all of the research that we did after the the first seizure um it was very evident, or and actually, the neurologist told us that every single person has a, a seizure threshold, and there are various things that can lower that threshold. Sleep deprivation being one of them, stress and anxiety being another one. Um, and everyone starts out with their threshold at a different point. So if you already had a low seizure threshold, and then there's you throw these other things on top of it, then that could you know lower it enough to to activate you know and trigger that seizure. So we've been working on these couple of things, um, and in general, just when I go out and run, I try and follow a few more safety precautions, um, most notably because Angie required that I do these before I was able to head out the door for her own peace of mind. Yes. You know, it just makes sense. You know, there's some good, good wisdom to this, that when you go out and run, let people know where you're going, you know, it, and everybody should do that. If you've got a medical condition, this is super important. What if something happens when you're out running? Right. Okay? So at this point, between my watch and phone, I can be tracked on every step of my run. Right. So I pretty much insisted on being able to track him um, during his runs just for my own peace of mind. So there are apps out there. There's um, definitely two that I know of that do live tracking. Um, one of them is RunKeeper and the other is Strava and there you have to pay for the upgraded like premium level membership in order to get the um, live tracking but um, it's there for for me if I should need it and you know it's not like I sit in front of the computer and track him on every single run but god forbid something did happen or he didn't get home when he was supposed to get home um, you know I could go on the computer and figure out exactly where he was and that to me is worth that extra money um, each year to just kind of give me that peace of mind. Even if you're not using the technology, it's important that someone knows where you're going. You know, leave a little uh, a note of where it is that you're heading off on on your run that day, how long you should be gone. You know, let someone know if you can draw a map, if you're running around streets, be clear about where you're actually going. And, and don't just go out and say, eh, I'll be gone for somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes somewhere out there. That's not going to be helpful if anything goes wrong. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of where we were after um, that happened and kind of getting back into normal running and normal life. And then... In, I mean, that covered the summer. That, right. As, as normal as summer can be with a teacher, that, that covered through that. But then school started again. And uh, on day one, I had a second seizure. I was, I had almost made it through the first day. It was like one in the afternoon. I was close. Um, <laughs> but I, I had another seizure and the paramedics got, came out. Angie got another terrible phone call and, uh, and we went through it again. And I was, I was back in the hospital. Um, this time with a broken nose. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately I hit a desk on this time and it, it literally, it still hurts me. So if I push on the bridge of my nose, it still hurts. Is it really? Yeah. It's, it, it stinks. Um, but you know, they, there's still no answer to it. 
um, you know, you go visit the neurologist the second time and the third time. And after the second event, he, he goes, well, now it's, it increases your chance of having another one. You know, you might still never have another one, but the odds are, are smaller. And it was, it was emotionally a, a big letdown. Cause I was still, I was clinging to the, Oh, I could be a boot, one of that chunk of the population that has one seizure never has another one right just a freak thing that happened and then you have a second and it just it threw my running it threw me for a loop my yeah. my running just trailed off and I, I i couldn't i had no focus i was scared to go out and push and you know the doctor said there's not a connection here but in my head you know, I could blame not going out on a hard run on, oh, well, what if it causes a seizure? Like, oh, I I don't really feel like getting up in the morning. Oh, well, it's probably the seizure. I, I shouldn't push myself. And for uh, for months here, that was my excuse on anything. You know, that's what I just pushed it to. It just, it gave me so much fear and it allowed me to have no focus in my running at all. You know, I... I struggled for a long time and really have only started coming around in the last couple of weeks where I'm like, no, I'm sick of this. Let's, let's pick a race. Let's have a plan. Let's gain some structure because that's what I like. Like that's what, that's the stress reducing part of running to me is having a goal race, having a plan sitting there, following a plan and seeing what I can do. That's the part of running that I really find enjoyable. And so, well, I've been running since August. Uh, it's really only since, I don't know, mid October, late October that I've really started being a lot happier when I am on my runs, you know, running is nice, but now I, I see running as, as something to look forward to tomorrow and the next day and the next day, which it, it took me a while to get back to that place. And I think fear was the answer to that one. And I've, I'm finally over that. And it was just an acceptance of, uh, there's nothing that you can do about it. You've, there's not a thing that I can do. It's running is not causing the seizure. So go run, be as safe as you can, you know, make sure that people know where you're at. Don't be stupid about pushing your body. If you are exhausted, then yes, pull back that day, but don't just make it an excuse because you feel a little tired. Oh, I need another off day. No, you don't. That's, that's just fear standing there. It's okay to push and you, it's going to be all right long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I know what you've been going through. So thank you for sharing that with all of us. Because um, for those of you guys that don't know Kevin, um, he's not usually very open. So for him to just, you know, release that is a is a big thing. And um, I think that you, you definitely made a very good point about how we can let fear um, stand in our way even and we can let fear, you know, allow us to make excuses for ourselves. And, um, you know, sometimes those excuses are helpful and protective and sometimes they just last longer than they should and um, inhibit us from doing things that we should be doing or that we would want to do or things that would make us happier. Um, so thanks for sharing that, babe. And, um, you know, I, I am glad that you're back getting back into it. You know, just recently you've been asking me a lot more, you know, okay, Ange, let's, let's start looking at the race calendar. We've got to pick out a race for me. And, and that makes me very, very happy because that 
you know, is a, a nice signal that you're kind of getting back to your old self and your old goals and, you know, with, with the running and everything. And that's, that's a good sign. Ultimately, we're just taking this one day at a time. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. None of us do, obviously. Um, and it's, it's kind of a scary place, but it's something that we've kind of accepted as our new reality. And um, we're, we're going to try to just keep moving forward and not let it you know, affect us. I mean, it's obviously affected us in a lot of ways. He's not driving, you know, he hasn't been able to drive since the first seizure in April. So we've made a lot of um, changes, you know, with only one of us being able to drive. And, um, you know, there's just, there's things that happen in life and we have to adapt. And ultimately we just have to make the choice that we're not going to let that dictate how we live our life um, any more than it needs to, I guess. Right. And, but there are certain ways that it needs to, and those are the, the major safety rules that, that really everyone should follow when they head out for a run. Yeah. And there are things that I used to follow and, you know, just because of, of ease or a a lack of time or trying to rush out the door, sometimes I skipped some of the big safety precautions and, Mm -hmm. and you really shouldn't take the extra minute or two to make sure that you are, are safe and following a good plan when you head out the door. It's, it's important. Okay. So let's, let's go over some of our biggest recommendations for, um, safe running. Um, so number one is make sure someone knows where you are at all times, um, as much as possible. You know, they are, they do have these live tracking apps you do have to pay for them um that service but um you know for for us it's worth it right now you know that forty dollars to give me that peace of mind for the year is is worth it and um you know if you don't want to use one of those just you know like kevin said leave a note that of where you're going or or something like that just so that people would would know where you were god forbid anything should happen Right. I mean, if you're running around streets, if you're in, in that environment, you can map it out for somebody so they know roughly where you're at. If you're off on trails, you know, talk to somebody who knows the trails. Don't just say, I'm heading this direction for 45 minutes. That's too broad. You know, if something goes wrong and you're on trails, have somebody who knows the trails know which loop you're on. Like, oh, I'm on Wildcat Loop, and they know exactly what that means. So there's only like three to four miles of where you could actually be. Yeah. Um, so another one would be to carry a phone with you and carry an ID with you. Um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't, don't usually run with their driver's license, but that's a very good, um, idea. And then on your phone also, you know, when you have your phone with you, there's a lot of information you can put on there. You can take a a picture of your driver's license if you want and keep it on your phone. Um, you can also... Um, identify someone in your phone book as the in case of emergency person to call. I know that Apple, if you have an iPhone, there's like a whole health section where you can put in your blood type and your date of birth and a lot of medical information about yourself um, all into the phone. Same thing with the Apple Watch. You can program that on your Apple Watch. There's like a medical ID portion of it. Um, So all of those things are very helpful. And if you don't have, you know, the technology, you can just wear a medical alert bracelet. Like if you do have a medical condition, um, especially if you have a medical condition, you know, having a bracelet that that tells what that condition is with, you know, some other identifying information like your name and your date of birth and any allergies you might have um, are all very helpful. Um, there are um, 
think companies out there that make them. Um, one famous one is Road ID, so RoadID.com, um, and you can put any sorts of information on there um, and just wear it on your wrist or your shoe or your around your ankle. Um, so having some sort of information, identification information is a very good idea to have on you at all times when you're running. You know, if you want to go super low tech, the uh, the reflective vest that I have has a little plastic tag inside of it. Yeah, it does for for a space for name and phone number and stuff. So I've got like my information on one side, and on the other side, in very large, easy to read numbers, is Angie's cell phone. Right. You know, if if anything ever, it's it's not super helpful to have my cell phone on me. You you've got you've got me, you need to get in touch with somebody else. So make sure that there's some, some information on how to get help, uh, you know, how to contact somebody who, who could help you in an emergency. Yeah. Um, also, like we said before, look around you, be very aware of your surroundings. Um, you know, be careful of getting too far, like into that zone of running that you become unaware of your surroundings. You know, a lot of times, you know, running can be very meditative, very calming. You know, you got your music on, you kind of get into a zone and you're just going and, and you can sometimes become aw- unaware of what's around you. And so just be careful of, of doing that. Um, sometimes it's obviously lovely to get in that zone, but not to where it, it would cause you to put yourself in an unsafe situation. Yeah. I mean, be aware of your, your surroundings. Make sure that if that's, if you're getting in that zone or, you know, on that, oh, on this morning run, I'm just, I just need to relax and calm and just go for my run. Find a spot that's nicely populated and and has some, some people around. So it's not just you running out there in the middle of nowhere, not the safest place to go into your meditative zone. Yeah. Like down here, you know, we, we live in South Florida. People love to run along the beach. You know, we just went down there yesterday morning and it's, there's so many people out there running or walking or cycling that, you know, there's so many people around um, that you're pretty much safe. Oh, um, yeah. I, I had two headphones in and was just gone for my run. And, you know, there was one spot where I'm trotting along and you can see the sun rising over the water and it's beautiful. I, I had no idea where I was running at that point in time. I was just kind of running along. But they were literally somebody to, to run past, you know, and, and do the, the quick little runner wave or nod to every like five steps. Yeah. There are a <laughs> lot of people out there in the morning. Right. Um, so, uh, what about traffic patterns, Kev? What are the, what's the best way to run with traffic? All right. So especially if you're like in a congested area, it's the opposite of biking. If you bike, you bike with traffic. When you run, you should run into traffic. I I don't mean like down the street, straight out of car. I mean, you know, off to the side, but you're on a sidewalk or on a sidewalk, you know, sidewalks are ideal, but if your only option is, is the bike lane at the side, you should be running towards the cars. That way they see you you coming, you see them coming, and, and everybody's aware of what's going right. on. Right. So in America, that would be on the left side of the road. Sure. Yeah. You would be running on the left side of the road when the cars are, are driving past you in the opposite direction. Right. Um, another one on, on traffic patterns, um, and this one's a really big one, is um, never assume that a car is going to stop. Just make the assumption that they don't see you, mm-hmm. that they don't see the stop sign, that, that they are just going to go. Assume that that is the worst driver you've ever seen right. and that they, they 
have no idea you're there and they're going to run you over. Yeah, I have a hard time doing this a lot of times because I feel like I'm the pedestrian. I should have the right of way, you know, like you better stop, you know. But um, so there's a lot of times that I know I'm not the best about following this rule. And I feel like if it's my right of way, I'll just go and I'll smack their hood if they try to, you know, that, that, that's not going to work if they're coming too fast. I did that. <laughs> I did that back when I was like 16 and in high school. Right. One of the worst times as far as, as runners are concerned, in my opinion, are cars making the right turn uh, against a red light. Yeah. Because they never look to the right. They, they only look exactly. to the left. They look to the left where cars are coming down the street. Right. And if you're trying to to run in front of them, if you're trying to cross the, the sidewalk or the media or whatever it is, they have no idea that you're there. They really don't. They, they have no idea. And if you think that they see you, still stop and make sure that they actually see you. It's, mm-hmm. it's way better for your run to pause for 10 seconds and get that little like wave from the driver that says, I see you, please go in front of my car yeah that's that's a good move absolutely and I think that nowadays it's even more important because there are just so many distracted drivers on the road it is just frightening to me how many people I see looking at their phones when they're driving down the road and that just makes it even more dangerous for runners and cyclists and other people I mean I just was speaking to a friend this morning and she told me that her son just got hit by a car when he was on his bicycle and you know he broke his leg and thank god nothing else bad happened um other than than the leg which is bad enough but you know thank god he's still alive um you know but the level of distraction in drivers today is just very very frightening I try and keep it as positive as possible. So as I come out to like any intersection and it's like, ooh, does that car see me? I wave to him with a big smile on my face. So like, hey, how you doing? And then usually they'll respond by waving either back, but usually they'll wave of, oh, I see you. Please go in front of my car. Yeah. And then you've made contact. You smile. You may have brightened that person's day and no one got hit by a car. I love it. So that's our show for you guys today. Head on over to realliferunners.com and click on podcast and episode 12 if you'd like the show notes. And we've actually created a PDF download if you'd like um, a quick download of those running tips that we have for you, you know, from this episode. And leave us a comment. Let let us know what you thought about this episode. It was a pretty personal episode for us. And um, we hope you enjoyed it. Get out there, keep running, and we will catch you guys next week.